Uh, I always tease him about making me wear this thing. If you can't hear me by now, I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what to tell you. We're going to start out a little bit different, so I'm not going to have you open your Bibles right off the bat. I'll go ahead and open mine. I think it's important that I know what I'm reading. You guys just got to listen. And then we'll do some finger exercises to get you warmed up, all that good stuff. Huh? All right. Let me get, uh, let me get prepared there. <clears throat> Blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord, and whose hope is in the Lord, or whose hope the Lord is. For he shall be as a tree planted by the waters, and that spreadeth out her roots by the river, and shall not see when he cometh, but her leaf shall be green, and shall not be careful in the year of the drought, neither shall cease from the yielding of fruit. The heart is deceitful above all things, and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I, the Lord, search the heart. I try the reins, even to give every man according to his way and according to the fruit of his doings. Those are pretty neat words. And I'll, I'll, we'll go back over those again, but I just wanted to read those words just for a minute so you can just soak it up and listen. A lot of times we get caught up in turning the pages and things like that, but I just wanted to hear those words for a minute. Last week I received a message from a, an old friend from high school. In high school, we weren't really friends, and I haven't really seen him since, but I call him an old friend because we've become friends in Christ over the years. And no, I haven't seen him in, since I graduated high school 30 years ago or so. It's been a while, a couple days. Uh, we've kept in contact. We've emailed. We've sent subject matters. We've talked on the phone. We sent messages. Well, he sent me a message last week, and I kind of found this really interesting, and I hope he doesn't mind me sharing it. I didn't ask him, so he probably won't know anyway, but... He says, I got a question for you. I have had, I have been having some issues lately, comma, firm in my faith and loving of God, but, comma, usually when we say, but God, it's a good thing, but he's kind of, kind of, he's got a little backwards. It says, God, but, comma, as I look around at the world, the steep decline of morals and values, I am troubled. Kept awake with the inner conflict, and more and more lately I find myself praying for God to deliver us from the hell man has unleashed upon itself. I find myself praying for God's wrath and swift justice to wipe away the virus mankind is becoming. I know deep in my heart the world was not what God wants for us. Is this a wrong way to feel? Sure, let me just break out my yes and no book and tell you what I think. Well, that's one of those questions like, boy, am I going to get into trouble for this one? Uh, my wife would probably tell you, if you don't want my opinion, you probably shouldn't ask me because uh, I offer it quite freely. So I thought about this. like, how do I answer this question? And so here was my answer. That's not a question I can answer. <laughs> check. I got one checked off of that. He says, but when I often find myself, you know, I often find myself also being discouraged by kind of the way of the world today. When we think about all the things that are going on, if we get caught up in the in the politics and what the world's doing, I mean, we can get discouraged really quickly, right. right? It's just so easy to see the negativity out there. So he's asking me, man, is it wrong to think about it? I mean, he's saying, man, I, I dream about and pray about that God would just wipe out the world and be over with. And look, well, for us that are saved, that's good news. For us that aren't saved, that's not so good news because they no longer have that chance. Right? right? They no longer have that chance. When Jesus returns... That chance is not, uh, is not a selection anymore that you get to choose. You don't get to wait around anymore. You've made your decision. So how do you answer that question? I said, that's not a question I can answer, though I might shed some light as I see it. 
From the beginning, man has sinned. Consider Adam and Eve. But not only there, spend some time reading the events of Noah. And then I pointed him to Genesis 6.6. Now why Genesis 6.6? Genesis 6.6 says, And it repented the Lord that he had made man on earth, and it grieved him at his heart. Now if you remember the story of Noah, God told Noah to build a boat. And we had this, uh, we preached on this one last year. He told him to build his boat out in the middle of nowhere, 30 cubits by, what is it, 50 cubits by so much. And he told Noah to bring two of everything, including his family. Uh, and Noah, being a righteous preacher, went around and told everybody about, hey, you got to build this boat because uh, God's going to flood it. Uh, and they all laughed and they scoffed. They made fun of him. Noah, being a righteous man and a preacher of righteousness, listened to what God said. So this came to mind right off the bat. And I said, know in your heart, that God is control, was in control then, and he's in control now. Now we can pray. Dear Lord, I just thank you for this day, Lord. I thank you for the opportunity to share the message that you laid upon my heart. Uh, I thank you for the opportunity to be here at the pulpit. And, uh, Lord, I pray that you'll uh, lift me up, that I'm speaking the truth, that the words are your words and not the words that I've put together, that they've been driven by you and guided by you. Lord, I pray that these words don't fall on deaf ears, that they don't... Uh, Go by the wayside, that it pierces the hearts of those that need to hear it, uh, including myself, Lord. We have work to do. There's things that we need to be doing. There's things that we need to live up to that we're just not doing, Lord. And I pray that you'll bless this service, you'll bless this church, you'll bless those that are here, uh, and you'll take this message as we go home. Just thank you for your son, Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. All right, now you can warm your fingers up and open up your Bibles. We're going to start out in Jeremiah uh, chapter 17. So if you go back to Song of Solomon, Isaiah, Jeremiah, back in that direction, you ought to find it. Jeremiah 17 in verse 7 says, Blessed is the man that trusts in the Lord and whose hope the Lord is. Did you hear that? Blessed is the man that trusts in the Lord and whose hope the Lord is. For he shall be as a tree planted by the waters that spreadeth out her roots by the river. And here we go again. And shall not see when heat cometh, but her leaf shall be green and shall not be careful in the year of the drought. Neither shall cease from the yielding of fruit. The heart is deceitful above all things. And desperately wicked, who can know it? Verse 10 says, I, the Lord, search the heart. I try the reins, even to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. Verse 7 says, Blessed is a man that trusts in the Lord and whose hope the Lord is. Seems relatively easy to follow, right? We put our trust in the Lord. Seems easy to follow. Then why don't we? <laughs> why don't we? So easy to get discouraged so easy to get discouraged and caught up in the worldly things. Uh, turn your Bibles, keep your finger here because we're going to come back here, but turn your Bibles to Psalms 1. Psalms 1. I'm going to carry on this, uh, this theme slightly here. <clears throat> Psalms 1 and verse 1 says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night, and doth the Lord turn, uh, and and the Lord turned to the captivity of Job, and he prayed with his friends, and the Lord gave Job twice as much as before. Then came there unto him all his brethren, and all his sisters, and all they had before his acquaintance before, and did eat bread with him in the house. 
and they bemoaned him and comforted him over all the evil that the Lord had brought upon him. Even uh, every man also gave him a piece of money. You see, the Lord takes care of us, right? And every one of the earring of gold, so the Lord blessed the later end of Job more than the beginning. And he had 14,000 sheep and 6,000 camels and thousands of yoke and oxen and 1,000 sheep asses and on and on and on. He blessed Job. He blessed Job. Blessed is the man that trusts in the Lord, but also blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. If you guys remember back in Job a little bit, Job had gone through a tragedy with his family, right? He had gone through a tragedy where the devil had tempted God and said, look, man, the only reason Job's following you, Job was a righteous man, and God said, there is no greater man on earth than Job was at the time. The devil said, oh, no, the only reason he's following you is because you've given him all this stuff. Take it away and see if he follows you. Don't quote that, but that's pretty close. Take it away. So what happens? The wind blew and the barn fell down and killed Job's children. All his cattle were killed and taken. Job was going through misery. His wife says, curse your God and die. So he tells, that's what she tells Job. Here's a man that's now broken. He tries to stick with it for a while. He goes to his friends and they tell him, turn away. They tell him to turn away. Blessed is the man that trusts the Lord. As Pastor pointed out this morning, sometimes we fly by Scripture, and if we get in a hurry to get the destination, we miss some valid viewpoints, such as starting in verse 7, Jeremiah, where we started. But if we back up to that Scripture a little bit, there will be see some stops that we missed along the way. So go ahead and go back to Jeremiah there. And we're going to go back to Jeremiah 17. We're going to start in verse 5 this time. And it says, Thus saith the Lord, Cursed be the man that trusts in man. So if you remember verse 7, thing, blessed is the man that trusts in the Lord. Verse 5 says, Thus saith the Lord, Cursed be the man that trusts in man, and make his flesh his arm, and whose heart depart from the Lord. For he shall be like the heath, the heath in the desert, and shall not see when good cometh, but shall inhabit a parched places in the wilderness, in the salt land, and not inhabited. For he shall be like the heath in the desert place and not see the things that are coming. Have you ever been to the ocean? How many people have been to the ocean? Been to the beach, got to hang out, play around. It's kind of fun, right? You go down there and you hang out, you're having a good time. You've been swimming in the ocean. The ocean's kind of salty, kind of dirty, kind of nasty. But it's kind of fun to get out there. Then you sit on the beach for a while and you get in your suntan. Then you realize you start getting sunburned. And you go to touch your skin and you feel that salt just sucking the moisture out of your skin. And then you realize you got sunburned. And you start to blister and peel and it gets real sort of touch. Imagine that dryness as it just sucks the moisture. That's what he's saying here. He said, there would be no place. You'd be parched. You've been so thirsty that you just couldn't get enough to drink. And you just, they got a dog. Their dog, he does that all the time. That's not written in there, but I just kind of remind me of that. That dog's always slobbering. Like he's thirsty all the time. He's just been so parched. That's what he's saying here. Parched in place in salt land and not inhabited. Nothing's going to grow there. Nothing can live there because it's so dry. That's what he's saying when you put your trust in man. That's what he's saying when you've been trusting man. There's not a place that things can grow. Unlike when you put your, your trust in the Lord and they will not see the heat of the day, but the plant life will grow and it will produce fruit. There's a point to this. Should be like trees planted by the rivers of the water and bringeth forth fruit in the fruit of his season and a leaf that shall not wither and whatsoever doth he doeth shall prosper. The leaf shall not wither. Knowing this, where would you put your trust? Where would you put your trust? Would you put your trust in man or would you put your trust in the Lord? And do we? Do we just blindly give our trust? 
in our faith. See, most of the time we probably struggle with that. I mean, we're kind of conventional people. We see things and that's what we want to believe. Well, the world's going that way. The world's going that way. Back in Genesis 6, 6, 5 says, And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth. So when I think about why I gave this verse in chapter 6, and you back up a little bit farther in verse 5, and I think in my mind, and we say, well, is it wrong to think that way, right? He's asking me if it's wrong to think that way. It's like, man, eh, you know, sometimes I don't really like people either. <laughs> just exterminate. Man, we could clean up a lot of problems if God would just start plicking them off, right? Friends, I got to say, man, a lot of us fall in that sin boat. Or have, right? Genesis 6, verse 5 says, And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination and thoughts of the heart was only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on earth, and it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and creepy thing and the fowls of the air, for it repented me I have that I have made them. And I suppose the point is, is that God sees all, God hears all, God knows all, and he knows the heart of man. He knows what you're thinking. So if it was for me to say, man, that guy shouldn't be here, right? God knows his heart. Who am I to say that guy shouldn't be here? Who am I to say that? I suppose that's the point. Because if we were all to wipe out that just sinned and couldn't make it, there wouldn't be very many people left in any, right? But God, I think favorite, pastor's favorite two words, but God, Amen. but God, John three sixteen says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever shall believe in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Why? That whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Why? Who? For God sent his son into the world. He sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him, it might be saved. He sent his son that they might be saved. He knew the hearts of people and said, I need to send somebody. I need to do something. He sent his son down here to be that propitiation, to be that in-between for us because we can't do it. We couldn't do it. If we could do it, he would have sent Jesus down here to begin with. Amen? Amen. See some Don back there and some yawn. Come on, Ginger. It's not that bad. Oh, she hates when I call her out. That's terrible. I'll pay for that one later. So a couple years ago, I was on a plane, and quite often, if you get me cornered somewhere, you know you're probably going to hear about Jesus, unfortunately. I'm going to have to tell you about it, my friend there. I'm on this plane, and I'm sitting next to this guy. He turns out to be a policeman from Dallas, and we're talking about this same topic, about how bad the world is and things like this, and, and we're talking about sin and things like that. And he says, you know, you shouldn't be surprised that criminals break the law, and you shouldn't be surprised that sinners sin. Isn't that an unfortunate truth? We shouldn't be surprised. So when he asked that question, what do you think? Is that all right? Should you be surprised? I mean, we've sinned from the beginning. A dang apple tree. There was no apple tree. We wouldn't have any of these problems, right? (laughs) A dang apple tree. It's an unfortunate truth that sinners sins, but knowing doesn't make it right, especially for Christians. Romans 6 well, six one says, "What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may be abound? God forbid. How shall we, that are dead to sin, live any longer therein?" And in Romans six thirteen through eighteen, we'll turn there real quick. 
I've only got 12 pages left. <laughs> you probably know most of these by heart. I hope you do. Uh, if you need a reminder now and then, it's a good reason to read it and open back up. Uh, Romans 6 and verse 13. We'll read 13 through 18. Neither yield ye your member as instruments of unrighteousness. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of righteousness unto, t- uh, unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God. Yield yourselves unto God. We're supposed to give ourselves to Him. As those that are alive from the dead. Yes, those that are not saved, you are dead. We'll get into this a little bit later. We've heard this before in Romans or in Revelations 20. Those whose names not found written in the book of life is cast in the lake of fire. If you are not saved, you are dead in sin. And your members as instruments of righteousness to God, for sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law, but under grace. Did you know that we are no longer under law? We weren't invited to that club. They didn't whip out the Ten Commandments for us and say, here, you shall do this. That doesn't mean that we don't follow some of the Ten Commandments. You know, you shouldn't steal, you shouldn't lie, you shouldn't commit adultery and covet the neighbor's stuff. You should love your neighbors, right? We should do all those things, but we are not under law. Why? Because we failed miserably as people back then, and God sent his son to be under grace, that we are under grace. We are saved because of his grace and mercy, not because we can follow the law, because we can't. But it's not giving us permission to sin either. Which I think sometimes we forget. I think sometimes we forget. All right. What then shall we sin? Because we are not under law, but under grace. God forbid. Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. But God be thanked that we were servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the what? From the heart, that form of doctrine which ye believed, being then made free from sin, because and ye became the servants of righteousness. You see, being a Christian, we've now become servants of righteousness. That is a big title. I wish you could print that across my chest and say, I'm a servant of righteousness, but that gives us a responsibility that we have to follow certain things. We have to follow certain rules. We are to be a peculiar people. We're not supposed to be like the world. We're supposed to be in the world, but not of the world, right? Is that not what scripture says? So when we're sitting around and we're thinking about the same things and we're doing the same things and we're hanging around the same things and we're in the way of the sinful and the scornful and things like that and we're keeping the company with those things, that stuff kind of wears on you. And it becomes a gray area. It becomes that, that mix. It's no longer black and white. Well, the Bible's pretty black and white. You're saved. You're not saved. You sin. You don't sin. It's not this gray area that the world's trying to make that everything's okay. Let me change it slightly because, yeah, today I feel like I want to be, uh, I want to be different. <laughs> That's about as clean as I could have made that one, Pastor. So <laughs> about as clean as I could have made that one. Back in Jeremiah 7, he says, Blessed is the man that trusts the Lord, and whose hope the Lord is. For he shall be as a tree planted by the waters, and that spreadeth her roots by the rivers, and shall not see when the heat come, but her leaves shall be green, and shall not be careful in the year of the drought. 
Man, I love that. Not be careful in the year of the drought. We talked about revival this morning. Revival starts in the heart. Revival starts by looking in that mirror. Revival starts by trusting Jesus Christ. And we are not careful of that drought. We are not careful of that drought. Why? Because we are not of the world. We've got jobs to do as Christians. We've got jobs to do. If we spend our time worried about the nonsense of the world and the condition thereof, it should be really no surprise at all. But instead of focusing on the outcome of the world, we should be focused on God's promises and directions. And what do I mean by that? If we glossy-eyed over the scripture, we can glossy-eyed over the conditions, we can focus on all our problems, or we can tell a lost and dying world about Jesus. So my friend says, I know deep in my heart that the world was not what God wants for us. That's a tough one to answer. Is this wrong to feel this way? Are we surprised by the condition of the world? Man, the answer is no. But what can we do about it? We can tell the world that there is way. There's one way. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and life. There is no other way. There is no other gods. There is no work that's going to get you there. There's work because you're going there. That's the difference. You can be as good as you want to be, but that doesn't buy your ticket. You are not part of the largest club in the world because you want to be. You have to accept Jesus Christ for what he is. John 14, 6 says, Jesus say unto him, I am the way, the truth, the life. No man comes in the Father by me. Romans 3, 23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. None of us are exempt from sin. We were sinners from birth. We'll be sinners until we die. And if we don't accept Jesus Christ as a Savior, we'll die in that sin. Did you know that we weren't invited to the law? I talked about that a little bit. We weren't part of that club. We weren't selected to be there. We, that doesn't excuse us from sin. That means by grace we were saved, not by works. Romans 6, 23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 10, 9 says, That if thou shalt confess thy, with thy mouth, thy Lord Jesus, and believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. I get dumbfounded every day by how easy this is. How easy is it? The easiest thing we can do in the world is give our all to Jesus because he gave his all to us. The hardest thing we can do is give our all to Jesus because he gave his all for us. We can't measure up for what he gave us. But if we believe in our hearts that he came to this world, he died on the cross, he rose for our, He rose again on the third day, we can be saved. We can be saved. We don't have to worry about our final destination. We don't have to worry about this. We can have joy in our hearts by accepting Jesus in it. We don't have to focus on the world's problems. We can put our trust in Jesus, not the world. And we can do what the scripture tells us in Mark. Mark 16, 15 says, And he said unto them, Go ye into the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. If you don't believe, you're already damned. You're already damned. You don't have to make a choice. The choice is made for you. That's the, that's the hard part about this. It's so easy. If we decide that we don't want to make a choice... And I know there's many folks in here that are saved. So this is not a talk down to, but this will tie together at the end of the message. It's the easiest thing we can do. It's the only way to get into heaven. It's it. There's only one way. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, the life. 
No man gets to the Father but by me. No one. There's no side curb, bro. There's no sideways. There's no passing stops. And hope, hope I got this express ticket. You got one chance. You got one way to get there. Romans 10, 14 through 15 says, How then shall they call upon... Sorry, let me try that again. How then shall they call on him who have not believed? And how shall they believe on him who have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? So I tell you, Mark 16, 15 says, Go ye into the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That means as a Christian, guess what? You've got a job to do to tell every creature about the glory of Jesus. We don't need to be sitting around bicking, around bicking about Pelosi and Trump and the other knuckleheads in the White House, right? We need to be telling the lost and dying world about Jesus Christ. Because when this world is gone, none of that's going to matter. None of it's going to matter. The only thing that's going to matter is that you made it to glory. That's it. And how shall they preach except they be sent? And as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings and good things. The word of God tells us in Revelation, and whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. You've heard me preach on that message before, and I'll break our hearts. That there's people that we talk to, that there's people we know whose name is not written in that book of life. It's our responsibility to tell them. It's their responsibility to choose. Because if they don't choose, they've made a choice. That's the, that's, the, that's the sad truth. They may not want to hear the gospel. That's okay. You have to tell them. If you don't tell them, that's not okay. It's our job to tell them. It's our job to tell them. It's our job to glorify him. It's a real problem. We can't get bent around the axle worrying about the things that we have no control over, wishing that there was an end to it all. Boy, there's some days I wish, boy, I wish glory was here. I'm tired of the struggles down here. But how conceited, how greedy, how sad is that, that I would want to wipe out those that don't have the chance to go to glory that I get to spend eternity with Jesus Christ about. How sad is that? So my friend asked, is that a fair question? No, friends, it ain't a fair question. You know why? Because we have a responsibility. There's still one more person out there that needs to be saved. If there wasn't one more person that needed to be saved, guess what? Jesus is coming off and he's taking us to glory. Amen? That means we've got work to do. There's someone out there that needs to be saved. And it's our job to go tell them. Amen? Amen. Psalms 94, 3 through 11 says, Lord, how long shall the wicked, how long shall the wicked triumph? How long shall they utter and speak hard things? And all the workers of iniquity boast themselves. They break in the peace of thy people, O Lord, and afflict thy heritage. They slay the widow and the stranger and murder the fatherless. Yet they say, the Lord shall not see. The Lord shall the God Jacob of Jacob regard it. Understand, ye brutish among people, and ye fools, when will you be wise? He that planted an ear, he shall hear. Did you hear that? He that planted the ear, he the creator, the one that created the world, the moon, the stars, the planets, and you and I created the ear. Won't he hear? Of course you'll hear. He that formed the eye, shall he not see? He that chastised the heathen, shall he not correct? Well, that ought to scare the wits out of most of us. 
He's going to chastise the heathen. Won't he correct us? Of course he's going to correct us. He that teaches man knowledge, shall not he know? The Lord knoweth the thoughts of man, that they are vanity. Another sad one. So until they want to know why and how long, till he returns. We have that responsibility until the day he comes back. That could be a long time. That could be before I'm done talking here. You know, I still got about, I don't know, nine minutes or so. The Bible says there's no guarantee for tomorrow. The day of salvation is today. The day of salvation is today. Now, I know there's some folks that are saved in here. And if you're saved in here, we've got a responsibility to tell those out there. And if there's folks that's not saved in here today, you need to get that right today because tomorrow's not guaranteed. And if your name's not written in the book of life, you ought to know that. It ought to break your heart if you don't. If you're saved, we've got gospel shared, and we've got souls to see saved. Amen. All right, Pastor. Amen. Amen. Well,